Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is a true crime podcast where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast, and if that's you, welcome home. In May, I brought you a Mother's Day case that had your jaw on the ground. And today, I am bringing you a father equally as terrifying as Episode 9's John Battaglia Jr., I am a week and some change late for Father's Day, but listen, at least it's still June, right? Join me today as I tell you the terrifying tale of a dad going through a bitter divorce who walked into a school to check his kids out early one day. On the sign-out sheet under reason for early release, he wrote, Payback. No one ever expected what happened next. Today, I bring you the story of Malin and Carson Thacker. This episode does contain descriptions of violence against children. Listener discretion is advised. Now, let's dig in. My sources for this episode include the Tennessee Court of Appeals decision in Haney versus Board of Education and articles from Chattanoogan.com and TogetherWeServed.com. Tracy Wade Thacker was born in 1961 a native of Bristol, Tennessee. In 1978, he joined the U.S. Marine Corps and spent the next 20-plus years dedicating his life to the Marines. He was a career recruiter until he finally retired as a gunnery sergeant in 1999. It's unclear if he was an active-duty Marine or a reservist, but that's neither here nor there. After Tracy retired from the military, he couldn't stay away for long because he became a civilian Marine recruiter in Tennessee and then he started working for DuPont in Chattanooga. But let me back it up a little bit, about seven years before he retired from the Marines. In 1972, Tracy was dating a woman named Holly. At some point in their relationship, Holly became pregnant. Although pregnancy can be a joyous moment for any couple, Holly wasn't quite sure if Tracy was the baby's father. Tracy was aware of this kind of awkward dilemma but he chose to accept Holly and the baby as his own anyway. So in 1992, Tracy and Holly got married. This was Holly's first marriage and Tracy's second marriage. Tracy had two daughters from his first marriage, one biological daughter and one stepdaughter. When Holly gave birth to Malin Renee, a beautiful baby girl in August of 1992, Tracy was listed as a father on the birth certificate and Malin took Thacker's last name. From the moment Malin was born, Thacker acted and felt like Malin's father. Fast forward 28 months after Malin was born and the Thackers gave birth to a son, Carson Wade Thacker, in December of 1994. Court records indicate that the Thackers' relationship was rocky from the start and Holly reported that it became a physically abusive relationship around 1998, but she stayed with him anyway. However, in May of 2000, things changed. There was a particularly violent attack where Tracy tried to break Holly's neck because she refused to have sex with him. And it wasn't until Holly's lip began to bleed during the struggle 
that Tracy snapped out of it and apologized. But Holly didn't care for his apologies any longer, and she called the police anyway and pressed charges against Tracy. That same month, when Malin was almost eight and Carson was five and a half years old, Tracy filed for divorce. He stated that he wanted a divorce because of irreconcilable differences. And in the complaint, he listed the genetics test, which proved he was not Malin's biological father, as one of the reasons that he wanted a divorce. The date of the genetics test is unknown. By the time that Tracy filed for divorce, both Holly and Tracy had come up with an agreement. It's called a marital disillusion agreement. The marital disillusion agreement said that they would have joint custody of Carson. The agreement stated that Carson would live with his father, Tracy, and Holly would have visitation rights, which were spelled out in the agreement. Malin was not mentioned in the agreement. And that, you know, makes sense since he was not the biological father. And that was at least partially the reason that he listed for the divorce. Well, a month after the divorce filing, Tracy requested a guardian ad litem be appointed for Malin. So this is kind of interesting, right? A guardian ad litem is a court-appointed person who watches after a child's best interest. So it appears that Tracy, the father, was really torn about Malin. And that feels like it's okay because he's the only father that Malin ever knew. And by this point, she was eight years old. Well, a guardian ad litem for Malin was appointed. The guardian interviewed Holly and Holly reported that Tracy was a good father to both of her kids. Even though the relationship between her and Tracy didn't work out, Holly didn't want Tracy to be taken out of Malin's life. Well, of course, the guardian also had to interview Tracy. And when they interviewed Tracy, Tracy said, quote, Malin is my daughter. I raised her for eight and a half years and I'm the only dad she knows, end quote. After interviewing both Holly and Tracy, the guardian knew what was right. And the guardian felt that he had everything he needed to at least make a preliminary recommendation to the court. Quote, the guardian is vehement in his recommendation to the court that Tracy Thacker, whom Malin has since birthed and still now considers to be her father, continue to have a large role in her life, assuming custody is awarded to the mother, end quote. As I mentioned earlier, Tracy filed for divorce in May of 2000, but Holly and Tracy and all of the kids, including Malin, Carson, and Tracy's kids from his first marriage, they all continued to live together under one roof. That is, until September 2000, when Holly and Tracy really called it quits, like quits, quits. Once the relationship was beyond repair, sometime in September of 2000, Holly then filed a request to get rid of the original marital dissolution agreement. And in addition to trying to get rid of the original agreement, she filed for a temporary restraining order, claiming that the only reason she had signed the original marital dissolution agreement was because Tracy threatened to kill her. Not only did he threaten to kill her, but he threatened to kill her mother and her sister if she fought him on the divorce in any way. So, she said she didn't want the marital dissolution agreement to be around anymore. Of course, this is a pretty serious allegation, especially in a family dispute. So Holly's temporary restraining order was approved, but it spelled out that the original MDA was still temporarily implemented until the court made a final order. What? So when I was reading this in the case, I was confused. Why would a court grant a restraining order against someone making death threats Yet, the same complainant 
who said that basically the only reason she signed it to begin with was because of these death threats. Now you have a court basically saying, okay, cool. We get it that he's threatening you. So yes, we're going to grant this temporary restraining order, but it's okay. The underlying agreement, you know, we think it's fine. You, you, you guys can live with this agreement for now. Seriously shaking my head right now. So this meant that little Carson would live with his father while Malin lived with her mother. But Malin still visited with Tracy and she even spent the night at his house on occasion. It appeared that Malin and Tracy's father-daughter relationship never ended. The Sun News briefly mentions that on October 1st, 2000, the police officers responded to the scene of a domestic violence complaint. But the Sun News article doesn't elaborate any and I couldn't find any other information about this incident. Later in October, weeks after the formal separation, Malin had a third grade field trip to a pumpkin patch. Holly signed the permission slip and in those comments, she wrote, quote, Malin's dad, Tracy Thacker, would like to chaperone. Please mark him down. He will drive his own car. Thanks. End quote. Now, fast forward to December and the marital dissolution agreement was still in place. Carson was staying with Tracy and Malin was staying with her mom. Well, on December 11th, 2000, Holly asked her mom to pick up the kiddos from school because she couldn't. The kids attended Michigan Avenue Elementary School in Bradley County, Tennessee. Malin was in the third grade and Carson was in kindergarten. Holly's mother picked up the kids and took them to Holly. Within an hour of having the kids, Tracy called Holly wanting to know where the heck the kids were. Holly told them, hey, listen, they're with me. And Tracy was furious. He informed her that he was coming right away to pick the kids up. And Holly was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you aren't. Tracy didn't know what to do. So he hung up and proceeded to call Holly's mom. And then he told his mother-in-law off or his soon-to-be ex-mother-in-law off for picking up the kids after school. Okay. Holly knew the situation was getting out of hand with Tracy, so she called her attorney for advice. And the attorney informed her that she would be in violation of the marital dissolution agreement if she didn't release Carson to Tracy. Now, I'm assuming that Holly called Tracy after she spoke to her attorney and said, okay, fine, come pick up the kid. And soon thereafter, Tracy showed up. What Holly didn't know at that point was that while she was seeking legal counsel from her attorney, Tracy had hopped on over to the middle school to drop off some of the filings from the divorce. He was still upset that the school released the kids to the maternal grandmother, even though she wasn't on the pickup list. And he wanted to make it clear that no one, no one else should pick up the kids from school. The school employee in receipt of these files quickly called Holly to let her know what just happened. And Holly, I'm assuming, was livid. So she told the school that they were prohibited from releasing the kids to Tracy. Now, at this point, you have a married couple fighting their battle with a school employee. The employee reminded Holly that she wasn't allowed to keep the kids from Tracy. And Holly was like, you know, you think so? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. well, guess what? Tracy is not Malin's biological father anyway, so he has no rights. And then she left it at that. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. 
but I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T for 15% off. Enjoy. And when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. Now, by this point, Tracy had showed up at Holly's house and he expected to take both Malin and Carson. And Holly was like, no way. You are not taking Malin because you are unfit. And you know what? You're not even her real father. Ouch. Holly then said, I'll pick Carson up this weekend. And Tracy was like, negative ghost rider. No, you won't because your visitation just changed to twice a month. The following day on December 12th, 2000, each respective parent took the children to school. Holly took Malin to school. Tracy took Carson to school. Not too long after drop-off, Holly called Carson's teacher, Miss T, to talk about Carson's upcoming sixth birthday on December 14th. They chit-chatted some and then the conversation ended. After Tracy dropped off Carson, Tracy returned home where he called his attorney to gripe about the custody case, probably really to complain about Holly's mom picking up the kids the night before. Well, Tracy was getting more and more upset as the conversation progressed. Tracy's stepdaughter was home at the time and Tracy took the phone and put it up to his stepdaughter's ear so that she could hear the nonsense that the attorney was spewing. The 18-year-old stepdaughter later reported that what she gathered from the conversation was that the attorney told Tracy that if he called again, the attorney was going to drop him as a client. The attorney also said something to the effect of, quote, you've already lost the kids anyway, end quote. Tracy was livid. He slammed the phone and walked around the house like an angry Godzilla, punching walls and breaking things in his path. Then he grabbed his keys and left. I imagine that the stepdaughter was like, oh, okay, what just happened? But Whatever. At 9.30 that morning, Tracy went to the elementary school and made a beeline for Malin's room. Tracy caught Malin's attention from the hallway and Malin peeked her head out and Tracy told her, come on, we're leaving. Nine-year-old Malin told the teacher and the teacher said, no way. If you want to take a kid, you have to go to the front office. So Tracy stomped over to the main office where he found the sign in sign out log, which required everyone to write a reason for the pickup outside of normal school hours. Well, Tracy wrote in the logbook and then the school announced Malin Thacker's name and Carson Thacker's name over the loudspeaker and each child reported to their front office ready to go home. 
However, Carson wasn't alone when he showed up. He reported to the office with Miss T in hand. Well, you know, it was school policy that kindergarten kids be escorted by an adult at all times. Well, Miss T was surprised to see Tracy because she had just spoken with Holly and she hadn't mentioned anything about the kids leaving school early that day. Tracy was standing close to the front of the building and Tracy waved at Carson and said, come on, Carson. And Carson's face lit up like a little boy when he sees his dad and he ran towards Tracy. Miss T was about to start a conversation with Tracy when Tracy put his hand up in like a stop motion. He grabbed Carson, said hi to Miss T and then walked off. Tracy didn't want a conversation. Miss T didn't feel right. Everything about the situation was off and her spidey senses were ringing, but she couldn't put her finger on it. Miss T walked back to her kindergarten classroom. She put her hand on the doorknob about to go in, but she stopped herself wondering, why was Tracy picking up the kids so early? So she went to the front office to look at the sign out book. At about 10 a.m., the 911 operator received a call from Tracy's 18-year-old stepdaughter. She was calling from her neighbor's house because she was sitting in her house when her father walked into the house with her two younger siblings and yelled, get out. Emergency dispatch made their way over to 972 Hancock Road. Police vehicles arrived on scene and Tracy was sitting outside in front of his house. Cops noticed Tracy was holding a bloody knife. Tracy noticed the cops. The cops asked Tracy to put the knife down, put the knife down, when the police noticed smoke coming from the house. The police pleaded with Tracy to put the knife down. But instead of complying, Tracy blurted out that he killed his kids. The police became even more concerned for the possibility of helpless kids inside, and even more when they begin to see and smell smoke coming from Tracy's house. Regardless of the warnings, Tracy refuses to put his knife down. More and more police cruisers show up to assist. Then Tracy, brandishing a bloody knife, charges at police officers and is shot dead right there in the middle of the front yard. Once the threat was eliminated, the firefighters put at the fire. And then they searched the house where they made a heart-wrenching discovery. Nine-year-old Malin and five-year-old Carson were dead. They had been stabbed to death by their father. Well, I want to take you back to Miss T. Remember her spidey senses? Well, by the time Tracy had the kids tucked in the car and was leaving the school parking lot, Miss T was making her way to the sign-out sheet. When she looked down next to Malin's name for reason, it said, quote, keeping promise to mom, end quote. Next to Carson's name for reason, it said, quote, payback, end quote. Miss T looked at these reasons and was like, wait a minute, what in the world does this mean? Miss T looked around to get a second opinion about the comments. She asked Miss N and Miss N was like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's probably not a big deal. He's probably just paying Holly back since her mom picked up the kids yesterday. Now, Miss T thought about it and she was like, mm, 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 no, 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 that doesn't seem right. And so then Miss T went to speak to the school principal, Miss L. Miss L saw the words on the page and her eyes were bugging out. She told Miss T, go get the divorce paperwork as she herself ran outside to check the parking lot. But by the time she reached the parking lot, Tracy was long gone. 
The principal returned to her office where she received a phone call from Tracy's lawyer telling her that earlier that morning, Tracy threatened to kill the kids. Just then, an emergency call came in through a radio that the school resource officer kept nearby, and the call gave Tracy's address. They had an emergency. Ms. L was freaking out. She had the sign-in sheet with an ominous message, a lawyer breaking attorney-client privilege to save someone's life, and now a dispatch call directly to Tracy's house. So Ms. L, the school principal, she jumped in her car and she raced to Tracy's house. Her intent all along was to pick up those kids. But by the time she pulled up to the street, it was lined with police officers. And then she heard the distinct sound of gunshots. Miss L was too late. The kids were dead. And now so was Tracy. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. An investigation later revealed that Tracy stabbed both children. Malin had 15 stab wounds in the torso, whereas Carson had three stab wounds to the chest. Then, after killing the kids, Tracy poured gasoline on the children and set them and the rest of the house on fire. Sadly, by the time that Holly found out about what was going on that morning, it was far too late. There was no bringing back her kids. They were gone. The internet provided very little information about this case. But for the Tennessee appellate court decision in this case, I would not have been able to tell this story. And you are all probably wondering what court opinion I have been talking about since Tracy, the killer in this story, was shot dead by police. Well, after Malin and Carson were murdered, Holly sued the Bradley County Board of Education for negligence and negligence per se in releasing the children to Tracy. The trial court had ruled in favor of the Board of Education via a summary judgment, and Holly's attorneys appealed the decision. So basically, this means that at the trial level, the court didn't even hear it or presenting to present it to a jury. They just thought there was not sufficient facts to even take it to a jury. In 2004, Holly's lawsuit reached the appellate court. The Tennessee Court of Appeals almost completely agreed with the lower court, and they almost shut down any hope for Holly to ever get justice. But the appellate court reviewed the school's policies and determined that the school had created rules and procedures and then failed to follow their own rules. 
What I mean is, in this particular instance, the school required everyone to sign their kids in and out, and it required a reason. Now, the reason was necessary for the school administrators to determine whether the absence would be excused or not. However, on the day that Tracy showed up to the school and wrote down his reasoning, no one looked at the notebook, which was the proper procedure. By the time they looked at it, it was far too late. Tracy had already left with the kids in the car and was on his way to commit a heinous murder. So the appellate court recognized that this was a foul on the school's part and determined that Holly should at least have an opportunity to present her negligence case in court rather than be summarily dismissed at the trial level. All that means is that the case was kicked back to the lower court for trial. I was not able to find anything with regards to the results of the civilian action So it's possible that there was some sort of hush-hush settlement. Holly, who now has a new last name, started the Malin and Carson Thacker Foundation to honor her kids. Holly has said that her kids love to read. So the foundation is centered around education and reading. And I found a few articles about the Malin and Carson Thacker Foundation raising awareness also through Dr. Seuss book reading events at schools. These cases are always so hard to tell because there is a mother out there, Holly, who will never see her kids again. Similar to the Batalia case, which I covered in episode nine, Holly warned the courts of Tracy's threats, but she would have never in a million years imagined that he'd hurt the kids. And that is super tragic. If you or anyone you know is suffering from domestic violence, needs help, encouragement or support, please contact the National Defense Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. If you want to continue the discussions on this case or any other military murder-related case, follow me on social on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, on Facebook at Military True Crime, and Twitter at Military Murder. Before I let you go, I do have to give my faithful listeners a shout out. First, I want to say thank you to one of my listeners, Randy, who recommended the Barry Winchell case a few months ago or a few weeks ago. I covered it and he wasn't the only one. There were a few other people um, who recommended it, but he was one of the first ones. So I just want to say thank you so much for making that recommendation. Today, I also want to give a shout out to my Apple podcast listeners who left written reviews in the last few weeks. So thanks to Magsney18, Tipsy Turtle77, Cass Lindsay, Huisidia, Huisidia, Huisidia? I think that's right. I'm sorry. That's literally what they wrote. <laughs> and also B US Marine Corps, Lala PR, Tiff Rico, 123 at Max, and MS Miss1234. So Thanks to all my reviewers, but I do want to say, and I want to read a few that caught my attention. First off, to everyone who likes my voice, thank you so much. I think that's so cute. All right, so Tipsy Turtle 77 says, what the what? Yes, 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 yes. This reviewer isn't even in the military and is so grateful for the simple explanations. Thank you, Tipsy Turtle. We see ya. I think that's right. I'm sorry if I'm saying that right. Is it, it's either Jusendia? Tusendia? I guess that could be, or it's Huisindia. So she says, quote, dual military wives have been binge listening together and this podcast has added spice to car rides and dog walks. <laughs> and ends with the podcast is a great addition to their marriage. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> 
You know, you're not the only military couple that listens together. One of my supporters told me that her and her husband listen together and they are forbidden from listening alone without the other. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> okay, so one last one was BUSMC, so U.S. Marine Corps. So Marine Corps, so this is a Marine Corps retiree that listens to the show every chance they get to running, walking the dog, folding laundry, cooking. Oh my God, the bad thing is that they are running out of episodes. Well, listen, BUS Marine Corps, I'm working on the episodes, I promise. <laughs> okay, so that wraps it up for my reviews and my shout outs today. Thank you so much. Remember, you can get your own shout out by just heading on over to wherever you listen and leaving a review. I know there's a few places that you can do that. Apple Podcasts, on CastBox, and then on Stitcher if you go on your computer. So I just want to say thank you guys so much. That is a great way to support the show and it's free. All right. This episode was created by Mama Margot Productions, produced by Brett E. And the music was created by TyOps. Please check the show notes for a direct link to my sources page on my website, militarymurderpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. Shh, let's bring another podcast.